Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. It's a uh, kind of a rainy day out there, and uh, there we go. But uh, we're just a week away from the election, which I think is going to be an important one. So as always, we say here, you know, to our, I think most of you, everybody listening, probably leans to the right a little bit, uh, get out there and vote. I think it's an important election. A um, couple things just to get us thinking properly. Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. One of my heroes, Winston Churchill. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. John Wooden, one of the great coaches of all time. Try not become a man of success, but rather become a man of value. And that's Albert Einstein. If anybody should know, he should. Okay, so you know we, we start off and we just talk about some lists and some things that you can get from our show. Um, it's funny. There's $11 trillion in cash, if, if uh, our people are correct, and nobody's calling in for any of these lists, which makes me believe that we're getting very close to a bottom. <laughs> anyway, uh, if, you, if you Google or you Bing Tim Hayes Radio, I show up, and you can always tell it's me because it says, remember, buy low, sell high. And uh, there's all sorts of contact me and email me on this. So if you'd like any of this information, please let us know. Uh, but we, you know, I, I would draw you to a couple things. Number one, uh, cybersecurity. We have a piece under the bulletin board on that. I highly recommend that. Believe me, they're stealing you blind sometimes out there. Uh, the daily technical analysis. If sometimes if you look at the charts, you can understand what's going on. You know, a lot of people are visual. They're not mathematical, and it's very hard to visualize the stock market because it's huge. All right? So that's a good thing to look at every day. And Bob Dickey has some great insights. Uh, market Week, which uh, gives you a market wrap-up, and I, I think that's uh, a pretty good idea. So, uh, look, we've seen a couple things happen this week, and uh, I've been talking about our global energy list, and um, everybody's, you know, poo-pooing the energy stocks, but... Oil has not broken that $65 barrier I talked about. So until it does, um, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think, uh, energy ideas are going to go away. So I still talk about our best global ideas. Uh, also our Imagine 2025 portfolio is a bunch of what I, we consider our leaders. Uh, and, uh, you know, we think if you held on to them for 2025, things could be really interesting. Uh, the small caps have been getting beat up pretty bad and i think that might be a place to uh uh start to look although i'm not ready to do that yet and our all cap growth list uh there's been some they've been beating that up a little bit too uh actually they've been beating up everything so there's very few things uh, procter and gamble's up 
<laughs> I own lots of Procter Gamble, by the way, just to be, uh, you know, let everybody know. And uh, also our, our top picks list and uh, the top global ideas. I, I just uh, don't know um, where we're going here. It's, uh, you know, we'll, I'm looking for a leadership change. I just don't know where. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we have a new newsletter, and it says the tech sector could be dominating your portfolio. And remember, about two months ago, Lori Castellini, uh, our head strategist, said you know, she doesn't like the FANG stocks. She doesn't like technology. Now, she thinks that technology is going to go more to the business spending type technology and get away from the social. Uh, but right now, she doesn't like the group at all. So uh, uh, that's interesting. And some financial lessons from football and, and 10, tax year, uh, 10 year-end tax tips. Uh, they all come in the newsletter. So if you'd like to sign up for that, just hit the contact me or email me. Once again, Google or Bing Tim Hayes uh, radio and I show up. All right. So you, there's all sorts of contact me, email me's on there. So about 85% of the U.S. listed IPOs in 2018, uh, the first three quarters anyway, involve companies that lost money in the 12 months leading up to the de- debut. So that's a lot. This is the highest proportion on record. Uh, according to a guy named Ritter, who uh, was an IPO expert all the way back to like uh, 1980. The Social Security uh, uh, Administration announced that 63 million beneficiaries, including retirees, disabled workers, and their eligible dependents and surviving family members will receive a 2.8% increase in benefits next year. That's the largest cost of living adjustment since 2012. And in a report due... uh, I, I think it happened yesterday. Uh, the last data before the November 6th vote will show gross, gross domestic product uh, grew at about 3.4%. I can't remember the exact number was. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, look, I, I just want to review a couple things, a couple calls we've made, and, and uh, uh, I'll just you know start with that. First of all, we said it's time for the financials to step up. And I think they're going to lead us out of here. That's Tim's opinion, no one else's, but I think it's time. Actually, I think it's RBC's opinion, too. They're, they're really looking for uh, the financials to step up. And domestic equities are still number one ac- asset class, but I don't know if they've, they've passed the bogey check to cash. Now, usually uh, you have to worry about that if you're the last asset class, uh, and that is currencies right now. Uh, domestic equities, last time this happened and it was a big sell-off, was when they were the lowest form of life, like currencies are. And that was a problem. But right now, they're still the top uh, vote-getter in in the relative strength poll. So uh, th- this will be uh, interesting to see what happens over the course of next week. Now, look, uh, in January it happened. I mean, in uh, March it happened also. Uh, and then we turned up. So you got to take that into account. But look, the dynamic asset level investing uh you know, if we look at the domestic equities, equal weight, each stock getting one vote in the S&P 500 is better than the capitalization weight still. But small cap growth and large cap growth and mid cap growth have been leading the way. But in the technology, healthcare jumped over industrials last week, okay? And and financials too, by the way. And, you know, both Lori Castellini and uh, Tom Lee, who was uh, the head strategist at Morgan Stanley for a long time, both are looking at value. There could be, they think, a switch from growth to value. I think that's important because, look, uh, 60, I think 64% or 68%, I can't remember the exact number, of the money managers out there know nothing but a growth portfolio. 
Okay, they've never been involved in a value portfolio. That's how long growth's been outperforming value. Growth has been outperforming value to the point where value no longer has uh, beat it out over the 100-year period. So it's been a long time. And as, as Tom Lee said, value has been outperforming by 150 basis points since October 3rd. And it's been a long time. I mean, 2007 was the last time uh, value performed. That was 11, 12 years ago. So uh, some interesting things. Now, another thing I, I noticed is everybody's saying – uh, that the Democrats are going to win the House. The Rasmussen poll, which has really done well for the last tw- 18 elections, I guess they've called the, uh, um, you know, the, who was going to win it, says that's not true. Um, the, the one poll said the Democrats have a nine point lead over the Republicans, uh, in the battle for congressional con- control. They say it's not that way at all. So, uh, by the way, they also said that, uh, Mr. Trump has a 47% approval rate, which is three percentage points ahead of where Obama was at the same time in his, uh, his term, first term. And he has a 52% approval rate of how he handles the economy. And, uh, President Obama's highest was 42. So, Look, let me reiterate that Lori Calcivina is still underweight large cap technology. She talks about the fangs being very, very overvalued. And this is some of the stuff that she said this week. And uh, she remains neutral on small caps uh, on a 6 to 12 month view uh, because of the rising of interest rates, by the way. And, and there's a crowding problem in the U.S. equities, and that's including small caps. So, uh, you know, you want to be careful. Uh, small cap buypacks, uh, buy buybacks and capex growth are healthy for now so we she thinks there might be some deals in the small cap area which would really get things going and sense eventually but on a relative call small versus large we are returning to neutral okay so they're no she's no longer pushing the small caps uh small caps do look undervalued relative to large caps in a big way uh so there we go and uh, by the way I, I listened to uh amy zhang from the auger fund and she she uh She's talking about two things, managing uh, interest rate risk and also uh, market volatility and and evaluations. And she also talked about small caps being intriguingly cheap. But I will say this, small caps, I do believe, broke uh, at least a couple of the ETFs that I follow, did break some double bottoms. So you want to be a little bit more careful. And uh, look, uh, the, I deal with several money managers, and over at Kerr Marbach, uh, they have a gentleman by the name of Mickey Kim, who's a pretty sharp guy, and he, he also writes for uh, uh, the Indianapolis Business Journal, and he says, will unfriended Facebook defang the stock market? And I've been talking about this for a while now, saying that these stocks are, you know, they're, they're owned by everybody. And look, it reminds me a lot of 2000 with the Cisco's and the Microsoft. And remember, Cisco is still not above the level in the stock market where it was in 2000. Corningworks is still not above that level. Okay. Microsoft just broke above that level. And I don't think, I don't think Intel is either. And these companies made money. And there was a lot of companies back then that didn't make money that went to the way of the, the dinosaur. So. Look, I caught a lot of grief from my clients because I told them to sell Facebook at uh, 179, I believe it was. And it went on to, you know, it fell back to 164 and then went on to 218. I looked pretty bad for a while. I'm not looking so bad now. Uh, and I had a client leave me because of it, um, because he hadn't been with me long enough. And he's, you know, sometimes people lose faith. But look, growth continues to dominate value uh, right in through the third quarter. And uh, if you if you listen to Basoke Investment Group, uh, 
Stocks with low PE ratios and high dividend yields are dramatically underperforming this year, and their stocks with the highest valuations and no dividend yields are up the most. The stocks that did the best in 2007 are, are also doing the best in 2008. And in other words, unfortunately, the song remains the same. So, you know, look, my mantra is stocks uh, follow earnings. <laughs> and which, you know, if the earnings are strong enough to swamp the historically reliable tendency of stocks to struggle during midterm elections, uh, if you don't have that, you want to have a dividend with it, okay? And I've been touting dividend growth stocks for some time now. And, uh, you know, I, I just think you have to, um, you, you just have to pay pretty close attention. Now, uh, you know, I guess there's some things I, I've been saying for a while now is that I, I've been talking about value stocks and, and all that good stuff. But look, the percent, uh, positive of the S&P 500 is now sitting at 64%. And it's above the 50% watermark, which is positive if you're, if you're doing the dynamic, uh, the, uh, Dorsey Wright system. Equities remain number one, but the cash bogey is, is negative, okay? The bullish percent remains in the column of O's and it's at 32 at this point, uh, which is, we're getting there, okay? And the high-low index reading is now 8, so there's probably going to be at least a rally. Uh, and I'm going to talk about a couple other things uh, when it comes to the McQuellen oscillator, that type of thing, so uh, stay tuned for that. Hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Dennis Prager for Window Nation. Temperatures are falling fast, and that is a great reminder that your window, pun intended, for getting new windows installed before the holidays and snow hits is closing. While most window companies are experiencing 12-week lead times, Window Nation can do it in less than half the time and save you half the money. Call today and get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. No limit. There's only one thing better than free windows, free financing. And for the next two weeks, Window Nation is offering no interest for five years. New windows now and no interest for 60 months. Call the window company that over 80,000 homeowners have already trusted and take advantage of this amazing offer now and get two windows free for every two windows you buy and 0% interest for five years. Visit windownation.com and save this winter and forever on your energy bills. Eliminate the nasty drafts and start enjoying all the benefits of new windows today. That's windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION today. This is Sebastian Gorka, former strategist of Donald J. Trump. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored, but that doesn't mean our enemies have disappeared. In my new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, we take off the blinders of political correctness from the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC.
Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And once again, if if you just heard part of the show and like to hear the whole thing, and hate getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, if you wait till Monday at noon uh, and go to WHK fourteen twenty, uh, and you hit the local podcasts, uh, I am I am down that list a little bit, and uh, so you can you can listen to me. And you know, if you need to take a nap in the afternoon, go ahead. You know, turn me on, and uh, I'll put you to sleep. Uh, look. I've been talking to clients uh, a lot lately, and uh, I, I think you know you have to put yourself in a, a, a profile yourself. Okay, so I profile my clients according to you know what I I see, and and the first group I see is they're seeking maximum performance. Then the next group is seeking outperformance through the use of a tactical approach. And then finally, seeking absolute return with very little duration or drawdown. I'm sorry. And and so, you know, you have to understand how to do that in each one of these cases if you're going to be in those areas. Now, look, some people are just plain scared. That's the fourth category and, and don't want to have any kind of volatility at all. They're kind of hard to deal with uh, because there's no like – bonds are down 12% this year, Okay. Commodities went down 75% the, the last four or five years. You know, that's why I don't understand they're looking at inflation. It doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, if, if you look at each one of these temperaments, you could profile yourself and say, okay, this is the approach I want to play. So, you know, if you're seeking maximum performance, a 3%, you know, stop is probably good. You're going to stop that a lot, but, you know, maybe that's where you want to do it. So, uh, but you better be very risk tolerant because of the, you know, if it blows by the stop, you get the next pr- price, right? So, you, and you're p- more pure alpha driven than, uh, some, some of the other people. So, uh, you got to understand that. And in order to understand, I think you got to have a look, look yourself in the mirror. So, like I said, uh, once again, we do have, uh, a flashing yellow light here in that dynamic asset level investing has said that the, uh, Domestic equities have failed the bogey check. Uh, now, international equities did that uh, back in the spring, and they stayed that way for a while. It'll be interesting to see that we did this in, G- uh, in March, I guess, and uh, we did have uh, uh, a bottom there. Okay, so it, it's kind of hard because this is something to, made to defend you. But with your asset class in the first category, I don't think there's as much downside as there was when we were in the lowest form of life back in 2007, 2008. Now, one thing that happened this week was gold uh, reversed up into a column of X's. And by the way, the head and shoulders pattern in gold was uh, happened. Okay, so we had a reverse head and shoulders. So, you know, my question is, how far is gold going to go? And I don't know yet. Uh, look, in a bull market, normally the dollar rallies. And what the Trump administration doesn't understand is that that's where money comes into the U.S. You know, in order to buy dollars, you buy stocks and bonds. And what's good about that is it keeps, you know, commodities are priced in dollars. So oil goes down in dollar terms. Gold goes down in dollar terms. And we have low commodity prices. Producers can really make a lot of money. And even with the headwinds of the currencies, they can still make a lot of money. And by the way, that's when the small caps will really go. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, now, the Asia-Pacific stocks... 
I did notice broke uh, had a, basically a trend violation on, on several of the ETFs. The EFA was a big one there. So you want to be a little bit more careful. Remember, what we're trying to do here is, you know, we have fundamentals versus technicals. Fundamentals are what kind of product we have as a good company management, the earnings quality, uh, dividends, uh, price to earnings ratio. That's what to buy. When to buy is eternal strength, trend analysis, relative strength, momentum, what, you know, that type of thing. So, look, we're still in the defensive, but we're getting close to the green zone. So uh, I think, you know, uh, you no longer have to have aggressive defense. Uh, you, you know, you probably raised cash levels if you've done it already. But, you know, if we do get into the green zone and turn back up, and there's a lot of groups in the green zone right now, uh, you want to get aggressive offensively, increase uh, volatility a little bit. But remember, usually after a big decline, there's a bounce and then a test of that decline. So it ain't over till it's over, right? Uh, but remember, there's $11 trillion sitting in cash, and there's another $7 trillion that moved from the stock market to the bond market in these years. So uh, I don't see where there's a great deal of money to – to get out of the market, okay? So it'll be interesting. Uh, and remember, we talked about dividends and volatility. There's a big study there that uh, low risk doesn't mean low return. You can get, you know, the the compounding effect of buying more stock with the dividend, and you lower your volatility. And then when you get uh, to a time when you're uh, retired. You use the dividends to replace your paycheck. It really works. And if you'd like to see our dividend growth portfolio, I like dividend growth more than high-yield stocks. And the reason is, is you can't fake dividend growth. It's hard to fake a dividend, but it's also easy to cut a high-yield dividend. I mean, look, I know of two companies right now that have big, high dividends, and I, I, I'm a little worried about them. Uh, and they're pretty good companies. But uh, a couple things just to make you think, okay? The intelligent investor sells to the optimist and buys from the pessimist. Investing is like golf. It's not about beating the other guy, but controlling your own game. All right? The Danish philosopher once said, life can be only understood backwards, yet you must live your life forwards. <laughs> anyway, here's some things I saw, and I, you know, uh, so I'll, I'll just give you my thought process. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of real estate investment trusts and utilities starting to pop up on my screen. I had uh, probably more of those than anything uh, on Friday. Um, they're, they're, the three Dow averages are giving kind of bearish messages at this point. Uh, the industrials, the transports, and the utilities. Uh, but the utilities are, are bouncing. Now, what's also happening is gasoline prices are coming down, which is one of the pulls, all right? So um, – I think we're going to be in this trading range in the Dow, which would also be a trading range for the transports for some time. But what's going on? You know, we talked about buying consumer staples three months ago, four months ago. Do you know the day we were down 600 points? Procter & Gamble was up. McDonald's was up. Walmart was up. Okay? Clorox was up. So... Those are some of the names with Kimberly Clark was up. Those some of the names that we had on our list. So, uh, so anyway, look, staples and utilities and real estate are really kind of leading the way, uh, which is uh, very, you know, uh, fairly normal. And everybody's talking about the crude breaking down, breaking down. It won't break down until it breaks 65. So we're not there yet. Uh, so don't panic or anything like that. Uh, although gasoline is broken down a little bit. Um, you know, that's something to, you know, worry about a little bit anyway. 
Anyway, the McQuillan oscillator, uh, the summation index hit uh, a high number. I mean, minus 672, and I, I didn't even count, uh, I think, Friday morning. Um, so what we're seeing is some sector performance suggesting caution, not really a bear market. Okay, so the industrials kind of broke down a little bit. Uh, the technology stocks looked like they broke down on Thursday and Friday. Uh, but most are within you know, 5 or 10% of their uptrend lines either direction. I did notice that utilities and staples broke their downtrends. So we, we were kind of right about that. But look, there's some some of those bangs, like Netflix had a good quarter, blew out to the upside and just went down 40 bucks. So I think you want to be careful with some of the over-owned type stocks, right? Uh, and, you know, that's my humble opinion. Um the, the, one of the things that's a problem is the stock buybacks are diminished pretty drastically. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what the problem is, but there's uh, I've noticed that there's less and less stock buybacks. So until that kicks back into gear, you probably got a problem. And remember, junk bonds are not getting hit. So something's going on here that I, I don't know. But I think, you know, uh, right now, you know, we've preserving capital. And, and, you know, look, when you go through a situation like this, a lot of my clients have between 10 and 20 percent cash and you still don't have enough. Okay, uh, that's you know that's you know twenty and twenty percent is a high uh, rate rate of cash, and you still n- never have enough in situations like this. So, you know, I've talked about the four year cycle, and um, maybe it's coming early. I don't know, uh, but if you look at cyclicals versus defensive, uh, cyclicals broke their uptrend line versus defensive. So the group is rolling over. So people are going more defensive, which is you know okay, uh, you know th- that's getting more to the value group. And uh, Japan, you know, which had been in an uptrend, failed and broke in relative terms. So uh, there you go. And bonds, you know, I've been talking about bonds. And, and the momentum in bonds looks like it's peaking on the yield side. Not on the bond prices now, the yield. So when yields go down, prices go up. Uh, so it looks like that to me that, you know, uh, we were talking about this. And by by the way, we were at 320 on the 10-year when I first started talking about it. And I think we're at 3% now. So we're starting to see that. And, Unfortunately, the transportations have broken down quite a bit too. And I think that's interesting because, you know, like FedEx, there's like 19 insider buys about three weeks ago at 245. It's at 213. So, uh, you know, gold, I told you we had a bottoming process. We did break, you know, the head and shoulders reversal there. Uh, I don't know if it's going anywhere after that, but um, I am seeing some big names like um, some big technology names. Now, these are not the social technology names. You know, the, the FANG stocks are social technology names, and they're very over-owned. But the Intels and the Cisco's, you know, they're still not where they were in 2000. Uh, so they're holding up pretty well, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, they hold support. We'll see. Uh, and I'm not making any recommendation on those, by the way. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. And my opinion is, is the XLF uh, really has to come, come around. And... Uh, you know, it's almost like a lot of people are cutting back their exposure on the bank indexes and the regional bank indexes. But I've noticed that there's several, like Huntington Bank this week, there was uh, this president and CEO bought $250,000 worth of stock. So, uh, you know, we'll talk more about that in a minute or two. But uh, the semis, um, you know, the question is, is it a long-term top? And I, you know, I don't know the answer to that yet, but, uh, um, you know, we are seeing like the S&P 500 weekly, uh, the momentum is rolling over, right? The Russell has been very, I mean, been negative for so long and it's becoming oversold. So that's another area to pay close attention to. Uh, 
Growth versus value, it looks like uh, they're teetering on that. And uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, its weekly momentum is neutral. So uh, it looks like it's consolidating. And, uh, and like I said, with oil, it's 65 is the price tag that you have to worry about it breaking down. And so what I'm seeing is uh, improving areas are utilities, communication services, staples, and energy. Weakening are still financials, discretionary technology, industrial metals. And it's my opinion that uh, financials have to rally for this market to get up and go. And remember, healthcare broke its downtrend line, and staples uh, broke positive against the S&P 500. Uh, consumer discretionary got beat up pretty bad. And I'm seeing some of the industrials starting to worry me. Materials are out to lunch. And I talked about the bank indexes. So, hey, let's take a break and we'll come back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Hugh Hewitt is already looking ahead to 2020. Now, I believe that as a matter of good luck, President Trump needs to return to Cleveland for his renomination. That's what Nixon did in Miami. That's what happened before when you want to win two times in a row. Because Hugh knows Cleveland rocks. Cleveland is where you want to go back. It's just a matter of good luck. Hugh Hewitt, mornings from 6 to 9 on AM 1420. The answer. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. If you, you know, look, if you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio, you want to review it and uh, uh, talk about how we can help you because we can. Uh, you know, you can call us direct at two one six seven seven four eight nine zero six. That's seven seven. I mean, two one six seven seven four eight nine zero six. If you want to call an eight hundred number, it's eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. That's eight 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 two two three seven seven four two, or Google. Tim Hayes Radio or Bing Tim Hayes Radio and I show up and you can hit the contact me or email me and uh, we can sit down and talk about your portfolio. Uh, look, the the problem is right now is that as I see it is, is there's not a whole lot of places to go because bonds have been beating people up. But I did buy some bond ETFs a while back uh, and not a lot of them. Uh, as I, I want to see the actual confirmation of the yields coming down, but usually when yields go, uh, when you start to see gasoline rollover, and gasoline's down like thirty-five cents in the last couple of weeks, um, you know that's usually when you start things are slowing down a little bit, and that's when bond yields start to come down a little bit. Might be a good time to be just park some money into bonds for a while. But look, inflows were positive this week in the stock market. So here we are selling off and inflows are positive. And that's, pay attention, folks. Anyway, uh, we were down 5.9%. We finished the week at uh, the bullish percent at 33.9%. And what is the bullish percent, you ask? It's our main risk indicator. Okay, so this has a, it's a chart from 0 to 100. Uh, it was designed back in the, in the 30s to, to be bullish when everybody else is bearish 
and to be bearish versus bullish. So it goes from zero to 100. When we get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. That's when you should be frightened. I've had this conversation with eight or nine clients in the last five or six days, and I keep, you know, I beat them up on Amazon this summer, uh, trying to hit the road and they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say yes. And then, you know, now they're selling it 300 points later. Um, the point is, is that when everybody's talking about their portfolio, you should be frightened. Okay. When we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when you should be paying very close attention and have some cash so you can buy some things. All right. Now, a column of O's means we have the defensive team on the field. Uh, doesn't mean you have to sell a whole portfolio. Okay. Especially when, with, uh, Domestic equity is the number one asset class. Uh, a column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. And, you know, if we're at 30 or we're at 20 or 10, you can throw the long bomb. Okay? When you're up at 70, you want to hand off to the fullback. All right? Quarterback sneaks and stuff like that. So right now we're in a column of O's, but we're getting close to the promised land. I think on Friday we got down to 31. Okay? So uh, I think. I'm not absolutely sure. Um the over-the-counter index is there. It's at 30.6. Now, look, sometimes from 30 down to, to 15 or 10 can be ugly. So never anticipate an anticipator. Simple as that. But it would re- uh, reverse back up at 38, so we'd like to see that come down a little bit. The world index is now below 30. It's a 29.8. So, you know, it's an area that you, of interest. But uh, right now, we don't have any reversal on any of these. Let me repeat that. We do not have any reversal on any of these. So don't anticipate an anticipator, okay? Uh, sit there like children on Christmas Day while their parents make coffee. Put your hands in your lap and try to be as calm as you can. <laughs> uh, the bullish percent charts for all of the indexes remain in the column of O's, and they're down, they're low. Uh, they can get lower. Trust me, uh, I've seen them go down to six. All right, so they can get lower. All the high-low indexes, uh, you know, that's the number of new highs versus new lows. Uh, they're all in a column of O's, and they're in the 40 areas, so for all the indexes. So we're seeing some stuff that we haven't seen for a while, and it's, you know, it's not fun. But uh, uh, now the bullish percent for all equity funds, which was at 74, is now at 14. So it's come a long way. Uh and I think, look, uh, from a bullish perspective, I, I'm seeing more and more people move to the defensive things, utilities, staples, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but if, as we look of, as of last week, uh, small cap growth and large cap growth were the two places to be. Equal weight was more important than, uh, than, um, market weight or market capitalization weight. And why is that interesting? Because, uh, nobody offers equal weight ETFs in the 401ks. So, but healthcare jumped over industrials and financials to take second place. And I believe we've been talking about that ad nauseum for about a year now. Uh, so if you listen, you're in pretty good shape right now. Um, the weekly momentum of all the indexes has been negative for four weeks. And, uh, and in, in, in like the QQQ's case and, and small cap stocks, six to eight weeks. So I think more of this, uh, we're getting to the point where we're pretty oversold. Uh, you know, so it, it's one of those things that you, you got to pay very close attention to. Now, look, uh, the biggest downside mover this week was the small, the uh, S&P 500 small cap. It was down 4.1% for the week, which is a big whack. Uh, and the frontier markets uh, fared the best, even though they had a 1.6% loss. So, 
uh, we're starting to see, uh, you know, maybe a change towards the more foreign stocks, and we'll see see if that happens coming up here. But you know, it's important to note that the recent sell-off hasn't been localized. It hasn't been just a U.S. event; it's been an international event. So uh, I think we're just catching up with the rest of the group, but. Look, we had four groups that were positive last week because we look at the bullish percent for you know everybody, and remember this inde- this uh, indicator. Uh, we look at the favored sectors, and it was at sixty four back in January. It's now at thirty one point five. So we've co- we've almost gone round trip. It was down four percent for the week. We did pick up one more positive uh, uh, group, and that's business products, but. There's there's five now. So at 40, remember, there was banks and savings and loans were at 88 and 100. <laughs> They're nowhere to be found right now. But uh, anyway, uh, at 40 is restaurants and medical. At 34 is oil and business. And then at 30 is healthcare. Uh, and they're the ones that are positive. Now, look, we've got a lot of... Uh, Groups that are below 30. So I'm just going to mention these. So these are ones you want to watch for reversals up. And that auto parts are at 18. Biogenetics are at 22. Building products are at 24. Chemicals are at 24. Electronics at 28. Gaming at uh, 22. Household goods at 20. Internet at 28. Machinery and tools at 24. Non-ferrous metals at 28, precious metals 18, semiconductors at 20, software at 18, uh, 28, I'm sorry, steel and iron, 18, textiles at 18, transports at 28, and uh, Wall Street at 24. So what you have basically is two-thirds of the sectors below 30. Uh, one of these days, it's going to be a big turnaround, and you're going to want to pay close attention. Uh, you know, I, I did talk to a trading desk. It wasn't ours, so I'm not going to really go over this in a big way. But, um, you know, last week, they said there was an absence of buyers. So there's no buyers out there. So the machines and the, you know, the ETFs that give you two or three times leverage were running the markets. But anyway, we did see medical products go to favored status and precious metals go to average. Oil service went to below average and so did building products. So that's, uh, you know, that's not really what you want to see. And look, I'm going to s- stress this again. Um, if I look at the money market proxy, it went into a column of X's. And so it's the, the domestic equities have now failed. So uh, having a bit of cash right now is probably a good idea. But I also, it's kind of hard to talk about this because, look, uh, it's an indicator which measures the position of a cash proxy with a specific asset class matrix. So, you know, if you look at this, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like an Achilles heel of the bogey check. And, uh, the reason I say that is it, if you go to 100% cash or 50% cash, it's also going to limit your upside at turning points. So you just, I think you just got to keep this in the back of your mind and just say, Hmm. You know, what should I do? Uh, you know, do I, do I need more cash, et cetera? Now we, we've seen some of the, uh, China ETFs move up into column of X's, which is very interesting considering what's going on. And Japan broke a double bottom. Now it, it's still above its uptrend line, but I think you want to be a little bit more careful. Now, if you, I look at each of the major U.S. treasury indices, uh, you know, the five year, 10 year, 30 year, et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, they remain in the column of O's. So that's the yield index, okay? Um, and and so on their default charts, they're in a column of O's, which is very interesting. And I, I think that, uh, you know, the one group, the inverse fixed income group, remains the highest scoring. So that's the guys betting against the bond market. Uh, and then I think, you know, if I, if I also look at the, Treasury versus the 10-year corporate bond uh, yield, or what they call the CBUS 10-year spread, uh, it broke a double top. So a lot of stuff going on here that you know makes a little bit of sense. The commodity indexes have been uh, very positive, mostly due to oil, but oil went negative this week. And uh, the gold, continuous, went positive, uh, has been positive for a while. Relative strength. Okay, we talk about relative strength a lot. These are the buy signals. These are the ones that we want to pay attention to. Gray television. Jacobs Engineering, Imperva, which has got taken over, so be careful. SSNR Mining, uh, Sprout Farmers Market, Aratana Therapeutics, and uh, MSG Networks. That's uh, you know more, uh, Madison Square Garden. On the sell side, Aztec Industries, Foster Limited, Atlas Worldwide, Herc Holdings, Center Garden Pet Company. Fortune Brands, PacWest Bancorp, Martin Marietta, Nectar Therapeutics, Nova Measuring, Oland, Pacific Premier Bancorp, uh, a couple of uh, Silicon Motion, Vestion, and Constellation Holdings. Now, these are ones, you know, when you have a relative strength sell signal, or uh, what you want to do is start to check your fundamentals because the charts are breaking down a little bit. Uh, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, the problem with the market like we're having right now is the fact that you don't know if it's the market move or there's bad news out there. And that makes life a little bit more difficult. <laughs> so when you have a breakdown in your relative strength, you know, so if you heard one of your stocks on here, uh, you know, you got to sit down and take a look at the fundamentals again. Make sure that you're you're feeling good about those and that, uh, you know, you're not uh, – uh, you're not going to have any kind of breakdown in the fundamentals soon. So, look, uh, I think if I wrap this up, we're we're getting nearer the bottom than the top. We're not at a bottom yet, uh, and the fact that the you know cash uh, or the, the dynamic asset level investing uh, failed the bogey test to cash, meaning cash has got a higher relative strength right at the moment. You want to be a little bit more careful. Uh, but keep your eye on the ball because, like I said, at turning points, this indicator turns down and it might keep you out of the market on the way back up. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about Insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. Cause her hair is black and her eyes are blue. And I'll be right thin. I've been taking a word. A local window company in business for 58 years. That's no accident. I'm with my friend Bill from Empire Window Company. Bill, I like what you stand for. You make buying windows simple. At Empire Window Company, you'll get a great product and you'll get a fair price. We've been in business longer than most of our competitors put together, almost 60 years now, and we're local. Before you make a decision, you're going to want to give us a call. You'll be happy you did. To celebrate 58 years right now, get eight quality windows for your home from $58 a month. Call 855-76-EMPIRE. 
Choose from double hung, sliding, casement and awning, bow and bay windows, 855-76-EMPIRE. And if you're thinking about vinyl siding, try 35% off and free gutters with your siding project. You can see what replacement windows and siding would look like on your home before you buy on Empire's free online design center. Visit EmpireWindowCompany.com. 58 years, that's a lot of satisfied customers. Empire Window Company, 855-76-EMPIRE. November 6th is going to be the most important midterm election in American history. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher inviting you to join me, my colleague Hugh Hewitt, and the full resources of SRN News and Town Hall News as we watch the returns come in locally and nationwide. Midterm Election Night 2018 brought to you by MyPillow. Join us for midterm election coverage that is second to none. Tuesday, November 6th. Coverage begins at 7 a.m. 1420. The Answer. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, once again, if you just tuned in here uh, and, and you uh, caught part of the last part of the show and would like to hear the whole thing on Monday at noon, or is it Tuesday at noon? I think it's Monday at noon. Uh, if you go to WHK1420 and hit local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes. Uh, there I am. And you can listen to me in, in uh, you know, you know, straight hour time frame and uh, see what happens. And uh, look, I think... Uh, a lot of this stuff is, I go fast and I apologize, but I'm trying to give you as much information as possible in a very short period of time. And so, uh, it's amazing when I got in this head of mine that, you know, it just it bangs around in there. <laughs> sometimes it comes out, sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, if you'd like to sit down and have a cup of coffee and, and I think we can do really well for your portfolio for a long period of time. Now, sometimes look, when you flush out in the market like we just did, it's, it's hard and, and, uh, you know, people get dismayed and say, ah, oh, you're terrible. You know, you don't know what you're doing. But we did have a lot of cash. We had enough to, you know, make it worth our while. The problem is, is that when they start doing these uh, hanky-panky things with the uh, the ETS that have leverage and the guys you're using the machines, it's a little bit hard because the, the institutions step out of the way for a while. Okay. But it is, a. I think, it's a, I've been buying this week. So that's all I'll say. Okay. This week we had some insider buys. Huntington Bank Corp, the president and CEO, uh, bought two purchases to the tune of about $249,000. Uh, so those who own Huntington, I think it's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, also, Fuldum, which is a name that has uh, we, we've had a certain in- institution buying pretty regularly. They bought another $189,000, $140,000, $50,000, and $70,000 this week. They're a 10% owner. Also, Dish, uh, you know, we talked about that. A couple of weeks ago, then last week, uh, a gentleman by the name of DeFranco bought another 159000 and then 174000 And SNX, Synex, uh, uh, Matt Meow bought $9.4 million. Now, that's his, I think he bought some more Friday, but I'm not absolutely sure, so I, I'm not going to report that, but I'll you know just keep that in the back of your mind for next week. And then uh, First Horizon National Corp., which is a Southwest bank, 
Uh, you know, back in May, we had several buyers, uh, uh, you know, one for 443000 another for twenty five. Uh, and I think that was a chairman, and then a director bought a hundred and some more. Well, we just had another buy fifty thousand shares or seven hundred eighty-eight thousand, and an officer uh, bought another fifteen thousand. Uh, and, and by the way, back in May, the stock was at eighteen; it's now at fifteen. So they're really beating up the uh, financials pretty hard, and it might be a good time. Like I said, I think they're going to lead us out. And then um, Claris Therapeutics, which is uh, was. You know, like in the twenty six, twenty seven dollar range in February is now twelve. Uh, Arhan Meha Metra just bought nine million dollars worth. Uh, I believe he is one of the oldest directors on the board. And we mentioned Bill Ford bought seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of Blacklock last week, and he's on the board. He bought another seven hundred ninety thousand. Um. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Matt Mayo of uh, Synex is uh, a 10% owner. Okay, so just so you know. Uh, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a company that had the, uh, the symbol eyes or second sight. And uh, we mentioned a gentleman bought uh, almost $5 million worth. Well, Bill Green, uh, who owns $32.9 million, bought another $3.997 million worth. That's that's not chump change, folks. And then uh, FedEx, you know, we reported about two months ago, the stock was 249 or 245, I'm sorry. And we had 19 insider buys, you know, between 2,000 and 4,000 shares. Well, uh uh, one of those buyers was uh, Susan Griffin, who's a director, and she just bought another thousand shares. And uh, Paul Walsh and uh, Dave Steiner, who are also directors, uh, bought twenty seven hundred eighty shares. Now there was eleven uh, buyers uh, just a couple weeks ago of uh, on an average of twenty seven hundred shares. Uh, and I saw that with Aptive PLC too. There was nineteen buyers there at eighty four. The stock's now seventy three, seventy four. Uh, insider buyers are usually right, especially when there's that many. Uh, now, Allegon Therapeutics, uh, which is A-L-L-O, I noticed that the David Chang, who's the chairman and president, uh, bought uh, about 40,000 shares. Now, uh, the company only has a market cap of like $2.7 billion, so it's not that much. It was trading at uh, 23.5 when he bought it. Um, but we also had uh, some... Other people buy, which I thought was kind of uh, neat, and that was uh, director Owen Witte. He bought 15,000 shares. Another director, Frank's Humor, bought 30,000 shares. Pfizer owned 10%, and they bought 55,000 shares at 18. Uh, and TPG Group uh, Holdings, uh, that's SBS Advisors, by the way, bought 670,000, all, all on a secondary offering. So uh, you like seeing that. And Arquel, uh, which is in healthcare, uh, Russ Nussbaum, and he's, he's got a pretty good background, bought a million dollars worth. And then, uh, Mesa Labs, and this is a high price stock, it's about 182 bucks, but, uh, SEG Ventures bought, uh, four times, uh, $999,000 worth, 645, 462, and 290. Like to see that in multiples, <laughs> nice big multiples like that. All right, so, you know, look, uh, the, the market's mood swings have been unsettling, uh, but the underlying conditions that trigger the route are unlikely to shatter the economic or, or earnings cycles. That's my opinion. Okay. I think that's, uh, RBC's opinion also. So now what you're seeing is some profit pruning, I think. And, and, uh, what the silver lining of all this is a couple things. Gasoline's down 30 cents. 
PE ratios are down from like they were 21 just uh, you know a month or two ago, and now they're 15. So we're starting to see uh, actually below 15. Uh, so we're starting to see some some interesting things happen. So you know we're having this ebb and flow, and we talked about we didn't think this was over. If you were on my and if you want to get on my uh, email list, you know I sent an email li- out the second week in September saying that the advanced decline line was down, and that this is the usually the first problem before a market sell-off, all right? And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have 50% cash, which I wish I would have. But look, uh, valuations haven't completely resolved themselves here. So text and communication services remain slightly expensive compared to the market on a P.E. ratio. So the earnings profile of the sectors have worsened in recent months, uh, highlighted by like Amazon and, and Alphabet, I think. So I, I look, there was too much good news in those stocks, so I think you you want to be careful of the Fang stocks, uh, with maybe the exception of Apple. But uh, uh, you know, these are, there's Fang's ETFs now, so they're going to sell one, they're going to sell them all. So just be careful. It might be a buying opportunity for Apple, I think. But look, we have a normal range developing here. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial and the S and P are, I think they're up maybe one percent now or less than that. Um, I think the Dow's negative. I think uh, the Nasdaq's negative now too. But remember, we talked about this back in January. We said we were, you know, we were at the top end of the trend line. Well, we got to the top end of the trend line again. So you have this consolidated trading range. And remember, this happened from 2014 to two, to the election in 2016. We went up and down, and you know, we get to the top, and everybody be bullish, and then we we get a wipeout, down 15 percent or down 10 percent. So I think it's going to continue for a while. And then, and like I said, we have a strong four pronged uh, pitchfork. You know, we have. The, the hedge funds using leverage and, and, uh, margin and, and, uh, the machines running things, which makes things a little bit, you know, shaky. Then we have the election coming up and nobody knows who's going to win. Then we have the Fed saying they're going to raise interest rates five times. You know, who's going to buy a bond when that happens and who's going to buy a stock when that happens? And then finally we have the tariff wars. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of interesting. But look, uh, somebody asked me where I think the bottom is and I, I hate numbers out but you know somewhere around 25 9 i think would be a good place for us to bottom uh on the s&p 500 and and maybe 23 8 on the 23,800 on the uh on the uh uh dow jones nasdaq's a little tougher because it's got a uh had more of a bit of a parabolic move so look i i think short term we're still in this correction and and we're going to stay in this correction for a while and it's it's not something that's going to go away um until everybody's frightened. And let me explain something to you. I usually get 60 to 100 calls at the bottom a day. I'm only about 35, 40, 50. So uh, when when I start getting calls in a, in a big way, then, then I'll know we're at a bottom. Uh, and the other thing you got to remember is from the top of the trend line to the bottom trend line on the uptrend dating back to 2009 is about 18%. So, it is difficult because we're at the top of that trend line. We got to slowly but surely make our way over to the bottom. Now, uh, before we did it, just we went sideways with a little whoops every once in a while. Don't know if that's going to continue, but we'll we'll talk about it uh, more and more with weeks to come. Intermediate, I'm kind of neutral. Uh, you know, the market indexes have been largely consolidating. I think they're going to continue to consolidate until the quit raising rates. Or the tariff wars are over. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going, you know, that are a problem right now. Long term, I'm extremely bullish. I think we're in a, 
a secular bull market, and I think we're going to do quite well uh, over time. Remember, the rolling average rolling return for the last 10 years has been 6.4%. The average rolling return for the last 85 years has been 10.84. The average return, by the way, rolling return from you know, from uh, 1990, uh, 1985 to uh, 2000 was 15%. So in order to get back to 10%, you got to have a lot of 15%. So be be uh, be positive out there. Don't get overly negative. Don't let people, uh, you know, shun you away. And remember, we think there's a move from value to growth. Don't know how long it's going to last, but it's something to pay attention to. What I would do right now is while stocks are down, I would look at the dividend growth stocks. Look, I talked about the consumer staples. They're leading the way. I talked about utilities two months ago. They're leading the way. I even talked about real estate investment trusts, and some of them are leading the way. I said you had to be picky there, and, and that's been true. The prime income list is doing great. All right, so you can do okay for a long, long period of time with high-quality stocks that pay dividends. All right, now, uh, look, I've had a couple people who have not – answered my calls when I've made want to make a change in some of these companies, okay? Uh, because we do make a change. There's about 20% uh, turnover. But you just can't hold on to all of them because sometimes people, you know, companies stutter uh, or they they stumble, okay? And uh, if they stumble, you got to step out of the way for a while, all right? So anyway, these are all available to you if you just go to uh, Google or Bing, hit Tim Hayes Radio, and once again, you can listen. If you just heard part of this call, would like to hear the whole of it. Uh, on Mondays, go to WHK1420 about 1 o'clock and hit the local podcasts. And there I am. All right. So if you have any questions, uh, my number is 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Be glad to have a cup of coffee with you. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. This is the Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420, The Answer, or Salem Media.